0: Russian threat as most serious, but another might consider immigration or terrorism the greater threat. Russia can affect the NATO alliance in two ways. One is by threatening it physically on its eastern flank, and the other is by threatening to sever the transatlantic link. There are capabilities that the Russians are pursuing that are clearly intended to allow them to threaten our ability to reinforce Europe. And if they could do that, then NATO would lose credibility pretty quickly. What specific capabilities do you have in mind? Some are classified. But let's just say, for example, capabilities they're developing in space, in cyber, with ground-based cruise missiles, underwater capabilities, are all intended to eventually be able to threaten the transatlantic link and put NATO in a precarious position. The flashpoints between China and its neighbors have come recently in the South and East China Seas, Has the U.S. response been too much, too little, or just right? I think our actions to date have been intended to send a clear signal that we've got several allies in the Pacific with whom we share interests and commitments. And if Chinese assertions of sovereignty threaten them, then we have a treaty obligation to support them. Have we done enough in that region? I think we've got it about right. On occasion, I argued for more frequent freedom of navigation operations, phone-ops, to make it clear that China can go out and do a land reclamation project, but it's not going to have any effect on the legal status quo. We're not going to honor a 12-mile territorial boundary around their newly reclaimed land. We've got to keep that up, because if someone declares something and no one challenges it, it can become accepted. I would have preferred more frequent freedom-of-navigation operations but I think the way we've done it has been prudent. Some have argued that what we've actually done has been more innocent passage than traditional phone ops. That distinction is more a matter of law, of the declaration you make, the way you maneuver inside that space. I don't think that matters much to the Chinese. I think they recognize that our presence there is a signal. My Chinese counterparts were pretty clear about the fact that they didn't appreciate us asserting the right to do that kind of operation, whatever we call it. There have been a number of incidents in which U.S. ships or planes have been buzzed by foreign military aircraft. Is the proper response to those kinds of situations to ignore them or to escalate? You have to make note of them and protest them, both in diplomatic and in military channels. One of the things that fascinated me about the Chinese is whenever I would have a conversation with them about international standards or international rules of behavior, they would inevitably point out that those rules were made when they were absent from the world stage. They are no longer absent from the world stage, and so those rules need to be renegotiated with them. We continued to make the assertion that in the interests of safety, if nothing else, we really needed to have these rules of behavior. And we were successful initially in maritime rules of behavior. We took much longer on standards of behavior in the air, and I'm not sure we ever closed the deal on my watch. Regarding non state actors, there are the ones on the ground in foreign conflict zones, such as ISIS, but then there are also global terrorist networks with affiliates, offshoots, and radicalized local supporters in many countries. What, if anything, can the U.S. military do about domestic terrorist attacks carried out by U.S. citizens? There are indeed two kinds of challenges from radical Islamist groups. Some actually stand and seek to hold ground. Such groups need to be countered on the ground, with most of the fight coming from those who have the most to gain and lose. And that means we have to work with and through people from the region who are willing to fight. This might take far longer than it would if we were to do the job ourselves. But it is necessary, because we have to adopt a response that can be sustained for a long time, such as 20 years. As for individuals who are being radicalized online, groups like ISIS are losing the fight on the ground and probably winning the fight in the virtual environment because it's so hard to fight them there. Again, that's a long-term problem and one that will require us to be both vigilant and aggressive in trying to counter them. We have not grappled with that as much as we can and should. Bob Gates famously said a few years ago, In my opinion, any future defense secretary who advises the president."